Everyone needs a pastor. A visit to the pastor's study brings biblically faithful pastoral ministry to you and pastoral ministry from those with proven experience in Christian service. Our time together will be lively, sometimes controversial, always useful, and never dull. Welcome to the study of Pastor Bill Shishko. And I am Pastor Bill Shishko here with you. It's great to have you with us for another visit to the pastor's study. I've never been able to understand why so many professing Christians either completely disregard or are uncertain about the fourth of the Ten Commandments. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant, or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. And therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Now that's recorded along with the other nine of the Ten Commandments in the Bible's Old Testament book of Exodus, chapter 20. And there's a similar version in chapter 5 of the Bible's Old Testament book, Deuteronomy. Now what bothers me, and, and I think it ought to bother you, is that all of the other of what we commonly call the Ten Commandments are part of God's moral law that we commonly accept both as representing God's holiness and as giving a standard for our holiness as well. We're not to have any other God before us. There is only one true and living God. We're not to try to picture God. We're to worship him only as he tells us in his word. We're not to use God's name carelessly. He is God, and he is to be reverenced. We're to honor fathers and mothers and all who are in authority over us. We're not to murder. We're to respect the sanctity of human life because humans are made in the image of God. We're not to commit adultery. Marriage is a sacred ordinance. We're not to steal. We're to respect the property of others. We're not to bear false witness against our neighbors. We're to tell the truth. We're not to be covetous of what others have. We are to be content with what God has given us. Now, if all of the other nine commandments are obviously good and serve the good of human beings, why would we put the fourth commandment, to keep one day in seven set apart in a special way as devoted to God, why would we say that no longer applies to people today? Well, some say that the fourth commandment isn't repeated in the Bible's New Testament, so it's no longer binding on Christians. It was, they say, part of an Old Testament economy that is done away with by the coming of Jesus Christ into history and the commencement of the Gospel age. The Apostle Paul himself said in the Bible's book of Colossians that festivals, new moons, and Sabbaths were simply a shadow of what was to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. The commandment regarding the Sabbath, so we are told, is done away with in the New Testament period. But a careful study of the phrase festivals, new moons, and Sabbaths in the Old Testament makes very clear that these refer to extraordinary times of religious remembrance that were part of the Old Testament economy, economy that was done away with, or better we should say fulfilled, by the coming of Christ. But in this text, 
the Apostle Paul is not speaking of the Sabbath day of the fourth commandment. He was referring to what we often speak of as the ceremonial law given in the Old Testament and fulfilled in Christ. And one wonders why people say that the Sabbath day of the fourth commandment is done away with by the coming of Jesus Christ when Christ himself specifically says in the Gospel books of Matthew, Mark, and Luke that he is Lord of the Sabbath. It's part of the kingdom of which he is the king. And interestingly, he doesn't say that the Sabbath was made for Jews. He says it was made for man. The Ten Commandments, while they convict us of our sin and failings and drive us to Jesus Christ for forgiveness, also show a path that is good for human beings. The Ten Commandments are certainly given to people who are redeemed by God's grace, but they're also given to all as God's highway of holiness and goodness for people as people. But we all have so many questions about what it means to remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. I mean, isn't, isn't this a joyless day marked by all the things we're not supposed to do? The commandment itself has so many negatives on it. You shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. And why do we equate Sunday with the Old Testament Sabbath? I mean, isn't the fourth commandment speaking about Saturday in the Old Testament? And if we remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy, and that's an Old Testament commandment, well, how do we keep that commandment in this gospel age? And, and why do people make such a big deal of worshiping on the Sabbath day? The fourth commandment doesn't even mention worship. Isn't it about a day of rest? Now, be honest, you know that you've asked these questions and you're probably asking them right now. Perhaps that's why you may be quite sure that the other nine of the Ten Commandments apply to us, but you're not quite sure if that commandment about remembering the Sabbath day really applies in this New Testament period, or how it applies. But it is one of the Ten Commandments. How do you remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy in our day? Well, all of these questions, and I assure you many more, will be front and center for today's visit to the pastor's study. Our topic today is the Lord's Day in our day. And if you think I changed the subject from the Sabbath to the Lord's Day, well, in the minutes ahead, you'll find out that the two are inseparable. My guest today is Dr. Joseph Piper, a minister of the Presbyterian Church in America and president of Greenville Presbyterian Theological Seminary in Taylor, South Carolina. And he also, with his otherwise always heavy workload, is teaching classes in homiletics, which is the art and science of preaching, systematic theology, and worship at Greenville Seminary. He's the author of a number of helpful books on different subjects, but the one I'm particularly interested in today is Dr. Piper's outstanding volume called The Lord's Day, published by Christian Focus. And today we'll be talking with Dr. Piper about some of the things he covers so well in that excellent study, and you'll hear how you can get a free copy of the book. Just got to keep listening. Remember that this program invites you to visit the pastor's study by way of your phone calls, your texts. So to be on the air as part of the program, just call 631-955-5400. That's 
800-259-5400. Or if you prefer, you can text your questions, and you can do that any time during the week, but particularly for this program at this number, 516-367-0391. Put that under Pastor Bill and use 516-367-0391 to text your question because we love to get your text questions. But for now, Dr. Joseph Piper, welcome to a visit to the pastor's study. Thank you, Pastor Shishko. It is great to be in the study with you today. I'm glad we're bringing north and south together on this program. That's right. We've got a lot... But we've got a lot of ground to cover today. First, Dr. Piper, why do you think that people are so prone to take the fourth commandment lightly or say it doesn't even apply when they don't say that about the other nine of the commandments? Well, Bill, as I've thought about that, I think there's a couple of things. One is that it's in a broader section of the church today, it's not simply the fourth commandment. It's that yeah. there's a bad view of, of the law of God, the moral law, the Ten Commandments. Yeah. So people uh, are rejecting uh, that standard and say, well, we'll just take whatever uh, ethics we have revealed in the New Testament. Uh, But then I think there's a more basic spiritual problem as well, and I think it's worldliness, idolatry. Uh, The Sabbath cuts against um, our wrong priorities. It seeks to redirect our uh, thoughts uh, toward God and his kingdom and I think that people today are so caught up in the world and in their wrong priorities and idols that uh, they're resisting the spirituality of this commandment. Interesting. Talk, talk with us a little bit more about our idols in relation to the fourth commandment. Yes, well, the fourth commandment uh, really doesn't demand a great deal of us, uh, one-seventh of the week. Uh, is all that God uh, asks for and tells us the other six days are for us to do our work, and under that I would include our our recreation, our hobbies, or, or whatever. Uh, but uh, what it does is cut into the priorities of our lives so that we have to reorder things to have that one day for the Lord. I compare it to Christian stewardship and tithing. Just as giving to God and tithing um, cuts into covetousness, forces a reordering of priorities, so the Sabbath day does the same thing. And then it turns our attention from the world uh, to God, and that's hard for so many of us to uh, really forget about uh, our jobs, our sports, our other loves, and uh, really be devoted to God. And that, that's, that's what I have in mind. Yeah, very, very interesting. You, you, in your book, The Lord's Day, uh, you use the metaphor of a park. You, know, you, you have a, including a history of the park and its use. Talk with us a little bit about that metaphor for the Sabbath day. Well, a metaphor grew out of uh, the Savior's uh, confrontation with the Jews about the Sabbath. Um, and a lot of people misunderstand those passages in, in the Gospels where he... Um, is tearing down all the man-made traditions in order to free the Sabbath from uh, uh, those things for its spiritual purpose. And so I use the figure that what the Pharisees did was put a big fence around the garden or the park to keep people from defiling it. But that fence kept them from enjoying it as, as well. And this is a day to be enjoyed by God, with God and his people. 
And so I developed the, the metaphor then that uh, the, the park is, uh, or the Sabbath is like a glorious park where we come and have special uh, visits and communion uh, with God and one another in God's presence. Yeah. And so Christ simply is tearing down the uh, impediments to that with all of the countless man-made laws about the Sabbath to bring it back to its uh, biblical purposes. Yeah, I think it's maybe not too much of a stretch to say for us, even in our fallen state, uh, while while the Sabbath day, that park is not the Garden of Eden, in, in one sense, it, it, it is very similar to it. We commune with God, we enjoy his world, except we, except we don't labor in it, as Adam and Eve were to do. Um, t- talk to us, Dr. Pipe, about the relation of the Sabbath day and the Lord's day. I mean, do you equate the two? If you do, why? If not, why not? Uh, talk with us about the, those two phrases. Yes, well, I think the uh, I think the Bible equates the two, and uh, that's why I think they are interchangeable. When the Sabbath is instituted in uh, Genesis chapter two, it is um, the word for rest is the word from which we get uh, the uh, English word uh, Sabbath. So when God finished the work of creation on verse 2 of chapter 2, by the seventh day God completed his work which he had done and rested, and that word is kept Sabbath, uh, from on the seventh day from all his work which he had done. And God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it because in it he rested from all his work which God had created and made. So we get the word uh, Sabbath uh, from this word that describes God's special rest on the seventh day. So that that word is used, for example, in the uh, Ten Commandments, which you had referred to earlier and read, actually, um, the passage on uh, the Fourth uh, Commandment. And then in Hebrews, uh, chapter 4, the writer says in verse 9, there remains, therefore, a Sabbath-keeping for the people of God. Now, some Bibles mistranslate that, and talk about either um, a Sabbath rest or a rest, but the, the word is a very unique word in the Greek language, and it really does mean Sabbath keeping. Keeping. So there remains a Sabbath keeping for the people of God, and then uh, John, we're told, uh, referred to uh, the Sabbath as the Lord's Day in Revelation 1:10. I think Isaiah 58. Verse uh, thirteen, verse thirteen, uh, kind of puts these two things together for us. Then it's a great promise that we might get to talk about later. But in terms of the language, the promise is prefaced upon a careful keeping of the Sabbath. Oh. So he says in verse thirteen, "If because of the Sabbath you turn your foot from doing your pleasure on my holy day." Call the Sabbath a delight, the holy day of the Lord. Here, the prophet uh, puts these two terms together: the Lord's day, the day of the Lord, and Sabbath. Okay. So I prefer to use those two terms. I have been trying to train myself not even to use the word Sunday, uh, but to uh, talk about either the Sabbath or the Lord's day. Yeah, yeah I think Dr. Pipe. I'm, I'm not, I think years ago when I was reading John Owen, the Puritan John Owen's treatment of the Sabbath, which had some disagreements with, but by and large, I found it very helpful. I think he was the one 
who who said the proper way to express it is the Lord's Day Sabbath. Um, I, I know here <laughs> in our area where there's a lot of uh, Jewish friends, when you say Sabbath, they, they they think you're a Jew. On the other hand, when you say the Lord's Day, because you've got to explain that too, I, I I don't want to divorce it from the from the fourth commandment. Um, so is that that sound okay to you? The Lord's Day Sabbath. Yeah, I think that's a a good way to describe what we're about. Yeah, yeah and I think it's it, Jonathan Edwards too. Uh, years ago, and I was wrestling with the the Lord is the Lord's Day Sunday. Um, Jonathan Edwards has an essay, but anyway, that's that's getting far afield. Okay, so so Dr. Piper, we meet a person. Um, who says that the fourth commandment, wants to honor the fourth commandment, requires us to keep Saturday holy. And, of course, that's the, that's the seventh day of the week. It's not Sunday, the first day of the week. So what do you say to that person? Well, yes, this is a question that we often uh, come across. Um, there's a technical explanation that we have to keep in mind, and that is that uh, in the law of God, there are two aspects of God's law. Let's take the uh, commandment uh, uh, I think one of the of of the the Ten Commandments that would require what we call ceremonial things as well as moral things. So um, the commandment with respect to worship would have entailed not just the moral responsibility to uh, worship God in the way that he has revealed, but out of that would come other uh, ways that God wanted his people in the Old Covenant to worship him that would be different from how he wants us to worship him now. So each of the Ten Commandments has that moral part and that other part. The moral part is the reflection of God's character and our relationship to him and one another. That cannot change. The other part is how God governs our lives, and that changes through uh, the unfolding purposes of God. We can take the parallel with a family. We have uh, rules for our children when they're very little. And if they break those rules, even though they're not in the Bible, they sin because they are told to honor their parents. Now, when they get older, we change those rules. It's no longer you can't play in the front yard, but you have to be home by 10 o'clock. And so God does the same thing with his people. So with the Sabbath, the principle is that one day in seven is to be set aside to God. In the Old Covenant, that was the seventh day of the week for two reasons. Looking back at uh, creation, as God does in Genesis chapter 2, but also because of the promise of the Savior to come, who is the one who is the true uh, Sabbath rest and peace of God. So you mentioned a while ago Colossians chapter 2. We see that principle then uh, spelled out in verses 16 and 17. You've already pointed out that what we have here are ceremonial aspects of the fourth commandment. Um, Therefore, no one is to act as your judge in regard to food or drink or in respect of festival, new moon, or Sabbath days. And those are technical terms. They're used to together in the Old Testament a number of places to refer to all of the special uh, ceremonial days of the Old Covenant. Then he says, things which are a mere shadow of what is to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. So he, he puts those special days into the idea of they were typical, uh, they were prophetic, they were fulfilled 
in Christ Jesus. No. And, and I, when we come, yeah. mm-hmm. go ahead. No, no, no. I was just going to say, we do at some point want to get to, to how Christ is the substance of the Sabbath. Not not for right now. Please please keep going, because that, that's very important for our listeners. Okay. So then we get to uh, Hebrews chapter 4, and as I already alluded to the text in verse 9, there remains it for a Sabbath-keeping for the people of God for. Why? Because... The one who has entered his rest, and that's Christ, has himself also rested from his works of redemption as God did from his. And there the writer is contrasting um, Christ having completed the atoning part of salvation and his resurrection entered into his rest as God the Father completing creation entered his rest. Well, Christ rose on the first day of the week um, and the parallel then is the day has been changed, which was done by the apostles. Uh, and so they immediately were teaching people to worship on the first day of the week. That was Paul's pattern. And we see it, for example, in Acts 27. It was John's pattern. He was um, uh, on the Lord's day, which is a very interesting phrase because that doesn't simply mean a possession like John's house. It is used only two times in the New Testament. is used for the Lord's Supper, which is a supper that has a in a peculiar way, uh, a relationship to Christ, and this day, which has a very peculiar relationship to Christ. So the day's been changed then from the seventh to the first day of the week. That was the practice of the early church and the apostles, and it remained the conviction of the church through the centuries. Now, Dr. Piper, am am I correct in this? It's interesting to me that the way the fourth commandment was given under the inspiration of God, it's a pattern. Six days you labor and you rest the seventh. Am I right to say I I think the commandment contains in it really that pattern in which the seventh day, that, that day in which we rest and worship, could be different? Or is that not an accurate way to look at the fourth commandment? I think many look at it that way, and I think that's a valid uh, interpretation. Okay, excellent. So whichever way one goes, there's still the pattern of one and seven. Yeah, right. Whether the commandment was meant to be a bit more ambiguous or whether we just know that God changed the day because that was part of the administration. Uh, I'm relieved because that's something I've said over decades of ministry, so now <laughs> you've comforted me a bit. My guest today is Dr. Dr. Joseph Piper, who is president of Greenville Presbyterian Theological Seminary, and along with all of the other things that he's authored, his outstanding book, The Lord's Day, by Christian Focus. We'll tell you in a little bit how you can get a free copy. We'll be back with Dr. Joseph Piper. We do want you to know, if you want to call in and be on the program with your questions about the Lord's Day Sabbath, 631-955-5400, 631-955-5400. Or you can text your question, 516-367-0391. Put it under Pastor Bill. Text in your question, 516-367-0391. And now, this message from the voice of a visit to the pastor's study. That great city, New York. 
Metropolitan New York is the largest city in the United States. And with a population of over 20 million people, Metro New York is one of the largest cities in the world. And what's more, Metro New York is home to people from every nation of the world. To reach Metro New York is to reach the world. But churches faithful to historic Reformation Christianity in the Metro New York area are few and far between. The mission fields of Metro New York are America's richest and most neglected. Reformation Metro New York is an agency by which the Orthodox Presbyterian Church is planting and developing biblically faithful churches and church ministries in the Metro New York area. Through Reformation Metro New York, you can help promote the outreach of this program, a visit to the pastor's study, and other projects designed to further the ongoing reformation of the church. That and church planting are the great passions of Reformation Metro New York. For more information, check out the website at ReformationMetroNY.org where you'll get a personal look at the ministries of the churches, pastors, evangelists, and teachers of the Orthodox Presbyterian Church in the area, and you'll learn how you can be a part of our labors. We need your help. Here's the site again, ReformationMetroNY.org. Thanks for your interest and your help. Remember that great city, New York. To reach Metro New York is to reach the world. Now back to today's edition of A Visit to the Pastor's Study. Pastor Bill Shishko here with you today. My guest, Dr. Joseph Piper, president of Greenville Presbyterian Theological Seminary in Taylor's, South Carolina, and author of, among other things, The Lord's Day, put out by Christian Focus. Uh, if you want questions about the Lord's Day Sabbath, uh, call uh, 631-955-5400, or you can text 516-367-0391. Put it under Pastor Bill. Incidentally, we'll give you a, we have a free book offer uh, we'll tell you about that in a few minutes. But, Dr. Piper, I mean, you've got to admit that, that a lot of people have grown up with or experienced a view of the Lord's Day Sabbath that was really kind of dry and marked by all the things we are not to do on the Lord's Day. So how do you respond to that? I mean, you even referred to Isaiah. You're supposed to call the Sabbath day a delight. Yes, uh, Pastor, and... Uh you and I both in our pastoral ministries have dealt with people who were raised in homes that were very strict. Basically what that meant was a child was uh, put in a chair and said to sit there all day. And a child's going 100 miles an hour, and you put them down to about 5 miles an hour one day a week, they're not going to care a lot for that day. And so I think that um, we created a lot of problems in an earlier generation. And... My whole approach in the, uh, the book, The Lord's Day, and, and why I begin with the metaphor of, of the garden, is that this is a day of delight. So the Savior says it was made for man uh, and not man for the Sabbath. And so Isaiah 58, if because of the Sabbath you turn your foot from doing your own pleasure on my holy day and call the Sabbath a delight, the holy day of the Lord honorable, and honor it, desisting from your own ways, speaking your own pleasure, and speaking your own word, then you will take delight in the Lord. And I will make you ride on the heights of the earth, and I will feed you with the heritage of Jacob, your father, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. And what Isaiah does here, God through Isaiah, is relate the careful observance of the Sabbath to spiritual delight. So the word called the Sabbath a delight is the word that's used in verse 14, then you will take delight in the Lord. 
So it's a day that focuses on God and his beauty and grace. We delight in the day and use it accordingly. We're going to learn to delight in God. We'll grow in our love for God. We'll grow in spiritual strength and victory. And we'll grow in the appreciation of all that belongs to us in Christ Jesus. So I like to look at it as the day that God has freed us to enjoy him. The Puritans referred to this uh, as uh, the Lord's Day Sabbath, as the market day of the soul. And in Elizabethan and Stuart, England, uh, the market day was the day when all the farmers closed up shop, went into the market town, and not only to sell their wares and to buy things they needed, but they went. It was a it was a little holiday for the farmer and his family, and so they turned aside from the regular occupations uh, to go uh, to the market. And so the way to look at the fourth commandment is God has freed us from everything else and given us a whole day to enjoy Him. And that is what we've got to realize. And if these things are not enjoyable to us, uh, that tells us something about our hearts, as I said earlier. Oh, interesting. If we don't care for worship, public and private, and Christian fellowship, and conversation, and reading, and praying, and, and mentoring our children, then we have a, a serious spiritual problem. Yeah, yeah and, and just for the listeners... Um, in Dr. Piper's book, The Lord's Day, he has a whole chapter um, on on that theme of of the market, a day of, of the soul, and and uh, and and and, and you, you'll get his book, and you'll get a more extensive answer to this question, which is why the book is is so popular and useful. But Dr. Piper, obviously, people are asking right now. Okay, so what do we do? to keep the Lord's Day Sabbath holy unto the Lord and, and make it a day of delight and the delight in the Lord. Give us a picture of what you would regard as an ideal Lord's Day. All right, Bill, thank you. Um, the day, the bookends of the day would be public worship. And so many of our churches get in the way from the evening service, which has been a part of our Christian uh, evangelical heritage for centuries. Uh, but morning and evening worship, uh, focusing on the beauty and glory of God, the edification of his people, the fellowship of the saints, and then uh, a day for private worship. Uh, many of us, many of our hearers don't have the privilege you and I have to be able to spend more time uh, each day in the Word and in prayer because of our callings. So they're busy about uh, their callings, their vocations. So what God's doing now with the Sabbath is given a day to catch up with Bible reading, prayer, um, that Christian book that you've been working your way through, or, or the Christian magazine, a day for more time with our children in spiritual things. Again, um, for family worship with extended time of talking to our children about the Lord and teaching them the Bible and, and memorization of Scripture and of what we call the, uh, the catechism. Um, it's not wrong to take physical rest on the day. It's just we're not to spend the day in idleness. But I like the way it's put in one uh, document that the Sabbath is kept by um, devoting the day to public and private worship and deeds of necessity and mercy. And for many people, a nap might be both a necessity and a mercy. Uh, So it's not that there's no physical rest involved in the day. And then... 
Uh, it's a great day for hospitality to have Christian friends over uh, or to invite people from the church. Um, it's also a good time uh, to do ministry. Some churches periodically, in fact, I think the church where you involved uh, uh, go to the park on the Lord's Day and uh, seek to interact with the people that are there. Uh, go to nursing homes and, and visit shut-ins. So there's a variety of activities, and God's given us this day for uh, Christian uh, instruction, worship, and fellowship. So that's, to me, the great yeah. day, and uh, I delight in it. And isn't it interesting that the commandment has, unique among the commandments, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Isn't that indicating there's there's a, a certain amount of planning that should go into what we do on the Lord's Day. I mean, you can't do all of these things on one Sunday. Um, doesn't remember indicate planning ahead for this, so we can do these things that enable us to delight in the Lord? Yeah, I think so, to be intentional about it. Uh, I think remember also is an idiom in the Bible for observe, but uh, and that's the particular word that's used in the second edition, of the commandment Deuteronomy 5. So by using the word remember, I think he's saying more than that. So uh, don't be neglectful and be intentional. Yeah. I think that's good. Yeah, we found ourselves uh, wrestling with this up in, in busy New York. Uh, we couldn't do all of those things. I mean, we worship certainly we did as a priority, but but uh, we, we weren't able to have people in every Sunday. We weren't able to... Uh, there were certain Sundays for various reasons we needed to get more physical rest. And, so, and I think that if you're going to honor the Lord, being intentional. Well, my guest today is Dr. Joseph Piper, president of Greenville Presbyterian Theological Seminary. With the topic of the Sabbath, if you'd like to call in with your questions, 631-955-5400. Uh, or you can text your question to Pastor Bill, 516-367-0391. And incidentally, those questions to Pastor Bill don't need to be just on this topic. This is one of the ways we extend the, the pastoral ministry of the program to you. So keep that text number in mind, 516-367-0391. Text to Pastor Bill. Just a moment to tell you about who is bringing this program to you. Uh, the This program on WLIE Radio and then simulcast through Redeemer Broadcasting is brought to you by a group of churches uh, in the metropolitan New York area in southern Connecticut, and their congregations of the Orthodox Presbyterian Church in East Haddam, Connecticut, where we have Harvest Church, and then in Hamden, Connecticut, where we have Westminster Orthodox Presbyterian Church, the Orthodox Presbyterian Church in Mount Vernon, New York, which is just a little bit north of the five boroughs, and then congregations, Reformation Presbyterian Church in Fresh Meadows, Queens, here on Long Island, the Orthodox Presbyterian Church in Franklin Square, Trinity Church in Syosset, and the Orthodox Presbyterian Church in Bohemia. And these are churches all with faithful pastoral ministries. We can commend them to you if you're looking for a church home. These would be among the churches that we would we would recommend to you. Because not only does everyone need a pastor, but everyone needs a church. Um, and then we have archives of a visit to the pastor's study. Uh, you can access these at www.visitthepastorsstudy. That's all one word, visitthepastorsstudy.org. Or it might be easier for you just to go to sermonaudio.com, which is a tremendous resource 
for uh, messages from our guests today, Dr. Pipa and so many others. Just search A Visit to the Pastor's Study, and you'll have archives. I particularly commend to you, because of uh, the way these programs have been used since they were aired, Autism Help for Parents with Christina Miller, my guest. That has uh, is developing into quite uh, a, a network of people, of Christians, who are dealing with the issue of children with autism and uh, you might want to listen to that program and cull some of the insights from there. Also, we've gotten quite a response to Pastor Paul Vigiano's two programs, Pastoral Apologetics, Parts 1 and 2, kind of an introduction to the way we deal with objections to the Christian faith. We'd like it if you would like us and follow us on Facebook. And you can email me at visitpastorbill at gmail.com. Visit Pastor Bill, that's all one word, Visit Pastor Bill at gmail.com. Now the free book offer. And we have just three copies, so it's only to the first three that, that request this. But we have three free copies of Dr. Joseph A. Piper's volume, The Lord's Day, published by Christian Focus. So if you'd like a copy of The Lord's Day, and just email me, visit Pastor Bill at gmail.com. You've got to give me your mailing address. I can't, I can't mail the book to you via your email address. So please, if you'd like a copy of the book, just request it and give me your mailing address, and we'll get that in the mail for you. My guest today, again, Dr. Joseph Piper. Uh, the topic is the Lord's Day. And uh, if you'd like to call with your questions, 631-955-5400. Please don't wait for the next 10 minutes. We always get calls toward the end when it's a bit too late. So if you want to call, 631-955-5400. Or you can text 516-367-0391. Text to Pastor Bill. Dr. Piper, the Bible book of Hebrews, you, you've mentioned this several times, it does have a lot to say, especially in chapter 4, about Sabbath rest. Uh, but that's that's not easy material to understand. I mean, it says things like there remains a Sabbath rest or a Sabbath keeping for the people of God. And, and then it says we who have believed enter that rest. Then, though, it, it gets confusing when the writer quotes Psalm 95 and says, as I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Can you give us some help with this, Dr. Piper? <laughs> I'll try, Pastor Shusko. Um the, this is uh, the conclusion of an exhortation uh, that the writer began in uh, Chapter 3 about the importance of enduring. And uh, he begins Chapter 4 with the word, therefore, relating back to the exhortation just given. Um, we've got to be careful that we enter God's rest. Now, that's a, a word that simply means rest and tied here to God, and it would have to do with uh, eternal life and living with God and in His presence, and He is the, the the professing Christians to whom He's writing were Jews, converted Jews who were tempted to turn back to Judaism under persecution. So He's warning them to persevere lest they come short of the goal, and then He anchors that. Uh, with this oath from uh, God in Psalm 95, uh, for we who have believed in that rest, as he said, as I swore my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. So he takes the, the negative oath to say there is a rest, um, a salvation relationship with God, but it can only be entered through faith. And those who did not believe 
uh, perished because of unbelief. And he relates that eternal rest to the Sabbath then in verse 4. He said somewhere concerning the seventh day, God rested on the seventh day from all his works. So there is the offer of eternal salvation based there from Genesis. And then the threat and unbelief they will not enter. Then he wants his readers to know that this rest was not fulfilled in the types of the Old Testament. So verse 6, that remains for some to enter, and those who formerly had good news preached to them failed. So he fixes the certain day to day, uh, saying, after so long a time, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. So he's continuing to warn him, and he says that Joshua didn't give them the rest in the land. That was a rest, but that was not the promised rest. So verse 9, then, is, so therefore, uh, there is this promised rest to the people of God. You must endure and not fall back, as the Old Covenant uh, Church did, and to help you, then, there remains a Sabbath-keeping for the people of God. And we have a play on words here, that as the Sabbath, the eternal Sabbath rest remains, there remains then a Sabbath-keeping for the people of God to enter into that rest. Now, you translated verse 10. Uh, I don't know what Bible you were using, but that's not at all um, what is in the Greek. The Greek is, for the one who has entered his rest, has himself also rested from his works as God did from his. The translations often try to say that believers turning away uh, from sin uh, that parallels God's completing the work of creation. But that's just not even proper. Uh, but as I said, the, uh, the way to understand the one here is Christ, who's introduced back in chapter 3, and then uh, we brought back to him the end of chapter 4. And there's a parallel between Christ resting on the first day of the week and God resting from creation on the seventh day of the week. Well, the reason we know that we're talking now about a day uh, and not uh, something um, that's simply the salvation, in verse 11 he goes back to the exhortation, therefore, so there remains a Sabbath-keeping on the first day of the week. Therefore, let us be diligent to enter that rest so that no one will fall through following the same example of disobedience. So the Sabbath, the weekly Lord's Day Sabbath rest points out to us that there is the resting that is in Christ. And because of that, then we must endure, by God's grace, persevere to the end. And, and is it also true, Dr. Piper, that... The, that... The Lord's Day Sabbath is meant to be a foretaste of our everlasting Sabbath. Oh yes, and you okay. a while ago mentioned the uh, the parallel with the Garden of Eden. We ever since Adam and Eve were exiled from the Garden, we've been on a pilgrimage back to the Garden, and the Temple and the Tabernacle were types of the Garden, or reflected the Garden and types of, of entering back into the Garden City, which we have then in the book of Revelation. Yeah. So we're on this journey, and the Sabbath is to us the, the weekly refreshment, reminding us 
of what God has prepared for us and given us a bit of foretaste then of heaven. Yeah, that, that for us, as I know it is for you, that for us really has transformed our whole view of the Sabbath day. Well, we have a call from Sylvia. Sylvia is calling. Welcome, Sylvia, to a visit to the pastor's study. What's on your mind today? I thank you for taking my call. And I have a problem, and I am so great that there is someone who loves God, and I can ask. Uh, about 10 years ago, I moved to a small suburb, of a very small city in upper New York, not in the city. And I started to go to a Lutheran church, not because it was Lutheran, but because I had talked to other people about it, and they had told me that it was a good Bible-believing church. And I started there. I felt very comfortable there. But upon getting to know people, I found they were saying things to me like, oh, I come every Sunday because if I don't, then I won't get to heaven. Oh, my. And as we kept talking, this one dear old lady said to me, she said, you're such a nice person. You don't have to worry. I said, well... I'm a sinner just like everybody else. I'm saved by the grace of God. And it was like she didn't hear me. She just kept going on about that church was so a godly church because they put money in a box every month to go to the missionaries they support. And I said, oh, that's great. I'm involved with I was involved with mission support myself. I said, who is your missionary? She said, well, we don't know their name. I said, well, do you know where they're located? She said, someplace, but I, we don't know where, we, but we do give every month. Oh, my. Sylvia, and, you know, I... I think I think I got the gist of the question. We're really kind of running short on time. Let me oh. li- listen to your radio. And Dr. Piper, <laughs> you've been a pastor for many years. How, how would you uh, how would you give some counsel to uh, to Sister Sylvia? Well, Bill, I couldn't really hear her. Oh, okay. I heard the yeah. second part better. Okay, sure. Yeah. Well, so for Sylvia, um, a couple things. Uh, first of all, folks, you, you don't get to heaven because of your works, as Sylvia realized. We get to heaven because of the works of Christ and and resting in Him, and and that's really that. It's so important you be in a church in which uh, the gospel is preached, which is which is about Jesus and, and, and his person and his work and not about us. But thanks to Sylvia for that call. Dr. Oh, Piper. One more thing. Yeah, I heard sure. the end, though. Okay. And the um, important thing about stewardship, look how careful the Apostle Paul was in being sure that everybody knew what the money was used for, where it was going. Yeah. He even had people traveling with the money uh, to guarantee that. Uh, she should not be giving her money to anything like that, uh, uh, because there's no biblical accountability. Yeah, In fact, yeah. it sounds more like a cult than a church. Yeah, not, 
could be not not sure but uh, but that's very good advice we 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 need yeah a church should be responsible to let you know every penny goes well dr piper we are running a little bit short and i want you to i, I want you to you, you talked earlier about worldliness and idolatry and as we think of the sabbath so how should how should people listening to this program examine their hearts regarding their view of the lord's day sabbath and uh, where should we be doing some repenting okay I think that we need to come back to uh, the law of God and the fourth commandment, interpreted in places like Isaiah 58, 13, and 14. And by the way, we don't have time today, but it's quite remarkable. Say in Ezekiel, uh, for example, in Jeremiah, how the Sabbath is tied to revival, and the breaking of the Sabbath is tied to idolatry. And so there are close relationships there. So... Uh, on the one hand, we need to examine our lives in terms of where our affections and our priorities lie uh, and not interpret the Scripture on the basis of uh, our uh, uh, prejudice, but on the basis of the, uh, the teaching of God. I think uh, uh, Jeremiah, actually, uh, I read this morning, uh, or Isaiah addresses that in a chapter uh, three, where he talks about not uh, doing it by what we prefer, but by um, keeping uh, the law of God in uh, all that we do and examining everything by that. So we've got to come back to uh, Scripture and let our lives then be uh, examined uh, by the Spirit of Christ through the Scripture. Yeah, excellent. And then as we see that we are um, in violation of the Scripture, uh, we would repent of that sin. Uh, if we have a family, it's important us as men to sit down with our wives and children and say, you know, I've not led us properly, and we need to uh, repent of our uh, breaking of God's holy day and to seek grace in Christ uh, because we keep none of the commandments, so the commandments drive us back into the arms of Christ, and we rest then in Christ for grace to keep uh, keep going uh, forward. Uh, in the book, I do deal, uh, I have a, uh, a chapter on how to spend the Sabbath as well as what to do with our children, which gives us also a standard for examination then in terms of uh, how are we using this day. Mm, excellent. Well, that's just a start. Hey, Dr. Pye, thank you so much. I've got a couple minutes left for you, um, and I know I don't need to prod you a whole lot to do this, but tell us a little about Greenville Presbyterian Theological Seminary in Taylor, South Carolina. Thank you, Pastor Shishko. Uh, Greenville is into a 31st year uh, as a seminary that's committed to a reformational Christianity uh, based solidly upon the Word of God, emphasizing the uh, learning the Bible in Greek and Hebrew so that um, the men can be good interpreters of Scripture. Our great goal is to prepare men uh, to be preachers and pastors in God's church so that everything that we teach here uh, focuses and, and moves toward that uh, great object. We um, have an excellent faculty. 
Uh, we have an excellent uh, curriculum under that end. So although we focus on being pastors, we also have high academic standards. We have people from all over the world. Uh, we are very thankful uh, for that. Um, and then a very unique thing about Greenville Seminary is that we are about two-thirds, three-fourths less the uh, traditional Presbyterian Seminary. And so uh, it's uh, a great education for uh, almost uh, pennies. And that also is, is very attractive. So we our, have a good distance program. I was just going to ask about that because some of our listeners may be interested in that. We have a distance program uh, for men preparing for the eldership in the Presbyterian Church or the diaconate. Uh, that can be all done online. And then we have a distance program for men preparing for the ministry that also can be done online then with so many hours being spent on campus as well. So that's been a very popular uh, program as well. Now tell people how they let can. Me, let me say, yeah, you're sure. offering the book. I've got a new little pamphlet out, 30-something pages on is the Lord's Day for today. Ah, excellent. They want to write us at Greenville Seminary, Post Office Box 690, Taylor's, South Carolina 29687. We'll send them a free copy of that booklet. Give the address again, Doctor. Give the address again, and perhaps there's a website they'd want to look at. All right. Post Office Box 690, uh, Taylor's, South Carolina. Just GPTS, Post Office Box 690, Greenville, South Carolina 29687. And the uh, website is www.gpts.edu. All right. Excellent. And And the title of the little pamphlet is? Uh, is Lord's Day for today? All right. Well, sounds like I think that's the title. That <laughs> sounds like what we dealt with on the program today. Yeah. Well, it does. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks so much. This is Dr. Joseph Piper, president of Greenville Presbyterian Theological Seminary and author of the book, The Lord's Day, published by Christian Focus. If you'd like a free copy, just email me at visitpastorbill, all one word, visitpastorbill at gmail.com, visitpastorbill at gmail.com. Ask for the book, The Lord's Day. Please provide your mailing address so that we can get the book off to you. We appreciate your feedback or your questions about the program. Uh, You can, again, use the text number we've given or email me at visitpastorbill at gmail.com, but we'd love to hear from you. And remember that tomorrow is the Lord's Day Sabbath. And so be sure to set apart time to worship the Lord in a church that is faithful to the Word of God. And remember, too, that everyone needs a pastor. Let's pray. Lord, we pray that you will send a revival of conviction, that the Lord's Day is a foretaste of glory, and it's to be a time to delight ourselves in you. Amen. You've been listening to A Visit to the Pastor's Study, a ministry of Reformation Metro New York. Our website is www.reformationmetrony.org. Again, that's www.reformationmetrony.org. For more information on the program, check out our website at www.visitthepastorsstudy.org. That's www.visitthepastorsstudy.org. Listen in next week at 12 noon for another edition of A Visit to the Pastor's Study. Remember, everyone needs a pastor.